Thank you. I'm honored to be here. So great to have you. You know, it's a pleasure always chatting to you. I always go away feeling uh, inspired. And I'm always blown away by your work ethic. So appreciate the time that you're taking to chat to us. Likewise, likewise. I'm really hoping that we can add some value to some folks. Um, and I'm really grateful for the fact that um, I have some friends that are damn smart. Also super good looking. <laughs> Obviously you're referring to the people in the, in the comment feed there. <laughs> yeah, yes, of course. <laughs> but listen, it's, it's great to have you. Um, now, obviously, you're a photographer. Why don't you just give us a little bit of an introduction in terms of what you do? And uh, yeah, and then we'll take it from there. So uh, I've been a commercial photographer. Uh, this year, it's 20 years that I'm freelance. Um, and in the last couple of years, I'm saying couple, it's probably 10 years already, that video has obviously become part of you know the whole photography mix. But my training and all that was in good old normal photography. Um, and I mean, I started out shooting mainly magazine work for I'd say the first eight to 10 years of my career uh, before the magazine industry basically folded in half. Or right. not even half, it basically just was decimated to a degree. And, um, but through the contacts I had, and basically I've sort of branched where a lot of my work these days is, is, is focused around the wine industry. Uh, and, uh, yeah, but I, I'm a, it's a, it's a bit of a mixed bag. So there's, there's corporate stuff. Uh, there is, um, there's creative stuff. I mean, I work a lot with musicians as well. And then I'd say the lion's share is, is wine related. And that, that, that is, that's a wide gamut of, of that's from portrait work to industrial work to, back shots to creative advertising type stuff, yeah. Wonderful, wonderful. Now, I know you as a super creative guy, uh, and we'll even touch about a little bit about the music that you make as well, a little bit later on. Uh, but also, I just wanted to take a moment just to welcome the folks that joined the stream. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, I'm in conversation with Donnie Nell, who's an amazing photographer this evening. And a good friend of mine. Uh, we've had wonderful conversations over a cup of coffee in the morning. And of course, with COVID-19 and the lockdown, that hasn't been able to happen. And so we thought we'd bring it online and uh, share it with you guys. So thank you so much for joining us this evening. If you have a question or a comment, the wonderful thing about this platform is that you get to engage with us as we're talking. Um, also, I've had questions or I've had some feedback about the past conversation that we've had. Uh, and people said, hey, listen, we, we, we missed this. Can we get a hold of, uh, of the video? But un unfortunately, after 24 hours, Instagram deletes these live videos. But I've managed to pull the audio and actually the video and uh, convert it into a little podcast called Breaking Bread. After this episode, um, I'll post the information on here so that you can uh, listen to it as a podcast in your car, cool. in your office, wherever you are. Um, and so without further ado, let's get into it, Donnie, because um, uh, I'm sure the 
the folks who are quite interested in, in listening to you talk. Uh, one of my first questions that I have for you, Donnie, is, you know, I often have questions around creativity or discussions around creativity. And you and I have discussed this probably before as well. But for the uh, sake of the folks listening in on this, how do you manage the balance between creativity and commercial relevance? As a photographer, I'm sure you mentioned yourself as well. You started off because you had a creative eye. You wanted to express yourself through your art. I'm yeah. interested in how you balance the sort of creative part of who you are and what you do. And then the very important commercial aspect understanding what a customer wants and giving customers what they want because ultimately they are paying. So how do you balance that? Sure. That is, I mean, that is a, a very, um, that's, that's a, it's literally a million dollar question because I, I think it differs from person to person. You, I mean, I know photographers who live for expression you know, and so they find commercial work soul deadening. I find a lot of my joy is in actually pleasing people. Um, the longer you are a, a creative person, and, 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 and other creative people might actually differ with me on this particular point, I think the longer you are, the more you realize that there's more than one way to skin a cat, you know, and right. that... Because I think um, it's very easy to become very set in this is what is right. And mm -hmm. I think you start realizing that, especially in commercial photography, it's ultimately it's communication. And, and, and I have to literally separate myself. And it's, it's quite automatic for me at this stage already. In the beginning, it wasn't. Uh, separate my, what I want to say from that which the client wants to say. And so I see myself often more as a technical advisor to that person's vision. And in that, there's creativity. It's, it's sometimes a bit more of an engineering creativity. It's like, how do I wrap myself around this person's viewpoint? So uh, whereas straight up creativity is often just about expressing self. Uh, in commercial photography, I believe in, in the type of work that I do, like I said, these guys who are uh, hired for their vision you know, and right. for their unique vision. Um, right. So it, it's going to differ from person to person, but I am by default, my personality and my creativity allows for me to, to please other people and be happy with that, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, are there times where it is soul deadening? <laughs> yes, there can <laughs> be. Um, but I think that's why as a, as a, as a creative person, it's, it's, I've, I mean, initially when I started photography as a 12-year-old and I decided that's what I want to do for the rest of my life, photography was the point. Uh, and mm. I think since then I've realized it's, it's just another language. You know, so right. it's another tool in the toolbox. So a lot of my... I've been able to, to shift a lot of my uh, artistic expression and need to express uh, into other avenues like music, writing, music. I mean, right. writing lyrics kind of puts, you know, the literary side in there as well. Uh, even something silly as I'm getting older, gardening, strangely enough. There's something where you can create creativity or building stuff. I mean, I'm always fiddling around with guitars and modifying guitars. And I'm, I'm horrible at it, but I love doing it. Right. Or even like installing LED lights in my man cave, you know. Mm. Uh, but, but I realized uh, uh, quite a while ago that... Photography is another 
another language. What I have done wrong, though, is I've neglected for quite a while to use photography to express myself as well. Right. You know, so I've, I've used it solely as a tool to please other people, you know. And I think if you speak to most photographers or creative people who's been around for a while, they'll tell you, you know, you need to work on your own projects. And I think that's where the balance for me maybe got a bit lost in that uh-huh. I didn't spend enough time uh, using, it, using it like I use my music, you know, to right. sort of say, you know, I don't care who, who likes what I do. Uh, like music, I literally couldn't care less. I love doing it. And if it's just me listening yeah. it on Spotify, then great, you know. Very Whereas good. the photographer, very yeah, I'm very sensitive. And uh, where I, I realize that there needs to be a space in photography as well where I don't care. You're right. It's not about money. It's, it's pure self-expression now. Very good. Um, I think it speaks really to the experience that you have as a photographer as well. You know, what I hear you saying is that uh, you understand that it's a creative prese- uh, profession and you understand the creative aspect of what you do. But understanding what the customer wants and giving the customer what he wants as well is a super important element that I think many creatives are challenged with. You know, yeah. uh, how important do you think listening is to, to, to sort of cr- managing customer expectations? Oh, I think that is... I think I, I, it's crucial, you know. Um, I always feel sorry for designers who have to develop a corporate identity for a client. You know, uh, even my limited experience of having a designer do it for me, but sitting in in some um, meetings, uh, briefing meetings at agencies and stuff with clients, uh, you just realize how important it is you need to listen. You need to listen to the subtext but also you need to, uh, I think the big thing about listening as a creative is you need to um, give your client the vocabulary to, mm. to speak to you. Because what you find often is that they, they, they can't verbalize what they want to tell you. And if you listen right. close enough, you realize that. And so what you need to do in listening is you need to, ask penetrating questions. You need to, uh, less than suggestion, because I think that the default, especially as a youngster, was I would suggest, you know, or I would say, oh, what you should. And I think as as South Africans, we like the word, maybe it's from Afrikaans, but we say, you must, you know, what you must do is, da, 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 da. And I think the older I get, the more you you learn to ask penetrating questions, you know, Um, and so you need to, in a way, interviewing and, 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 Briefing and getting briefed is the beginning and the end of customer satisfaction as far as I'm, I'm concerned. Yeah. Very good, Donnie. Very good. And yeah, I, I absolutely agree with what you're saying. I think active listening is um, absolutely important. And, um, you know, it's another thing I think creative people are challenged with because as a creative, one of the things that drives you is sort of uh, sharing your vision yeah. something you know and i think the challenge is that sometimes we don't understand that not everyone's a creative you know yeah especially in business you know sometimes mm. you need to as you said i love those words that you used you, you need to sort of give um the client the vocabulary and the space uh, because mm. sometimes they don't know what they want you know and so you got to help yeah. them to find out exactly what they want and i think when you do that 
you really manage to, well, you manage the customer's expectations because they For are sure. part of the process, which really helps the end result. So it really helps you in the long term. Yeah. yeah. Which I think many young creatives can learn from is that have the customer in the process and then you'll find that you don't, they're not surprised at the end of the project. Hey, that's not what I wanted. Yes. Yeah. Which uh, I think the other thing is also the, the, the older you get, uh, I'm saying the older you get is if it's maybe true for it, but for me, what I've noticed, you also, you, you learn to get your ego out of it because initially there's insecurity. You know, if you almost feel insecure about completely taking the client's vision and just running with that because you, you almost start feeling, well, what, what am I then? Am I chopped liver? What am I doing? I, you know, it, uh, designers have, uh, have a, a term they use. They say, what am I just a macker? You know, with other words, a Mac operator. They want their vision. And, but I think that the, the more you – why I see it, you need, you're empowering your client, you know, and that takes creativity on, on you, the artist's side, you know. Um, but it, it does take for you to realize that just because the client drives a specific idea, all the ideas don't need to come from me. I just <laughs> help give them life, you know. Because I think that, especially, I remember in the early days with, I would talk way too much in a briefing meeting, you know, because mm -hmm. I'm almost, well, if I don't say, if I don't give enough input, they're going to think, well, what's the point of having this guy? You know, mm -hmm. and um, I think now I realize that just because I listen and the client drives the, the, the artistic agenda doesn't make me necessarily uh, obsolete. You know, I, I'm, still, I'm still necessary and my and my creativity is still is still necessary. Yeah. Very good. Very good, Donnie. I love that. Now, you have had uh, the pleasure of photographing some amazing people. Why don't you share some stories about that? Who's been the most interesting person that you uh, photographed? And, and what makes a subject interesting as well? What do you think? Well, share sure. some, drop some names, Donnie. Drop some names. Come on. Sheesh. <laughs> uh, I've, I've, I've literally photographed it's not so much about the celebrities as the type of right. people, you know. So, yeah. I mean, there, there has been celebrity. I'm not a celebrity publicity photographer, although I have photographed well-known people. Um, I, you know, if you want to impress people from overseas, you say, well, I photographed Grasso Michelle or, you know, I photographed uh, 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 um, Desmond Tutu, whatever, you know. And they're like, oh, but to us, it's like, oh, okay, whatever. But, and, and many business people, uh, I mean, very prominent business people, big CEOs and people from, you know, like uh, Asa Abloy, which is a big security company way back. That was quite a big scoop at the time. And um, I photographed, uh, but that was quite by accident, sort of just chance, but uh, Taylor Hawkins from the Foo Fighters and people like that that I, that I was through a shoot got introduced to and worked with. But no, uh, Desmond Tutu was interesting. Um, I photographed him at his, I photographed him twice, but at his office, and it was for the cover of a magazine at the time. Now, generally, I mean, people, unless you're working for Vanity Fair, if you're shooting a cover for a local business magazine, you know you're going to have, like, maximum an hour with, with a person, you know? Sure. Uh, I was told <laughs> to wait uh, on a couch in the waiting area, 
Uh, all my bags and lights were there. I was thinking, oh, I've got maybe 10 minutes to set up. You know, I've got a half an hour maybe to work with them, and, that, and that'll be great. Because it was, uh, it was a, a, a cover sheet and then a double-page spread and a couple of fillers. And he literally walked in, uh, said, hello, hello, hello. Went, he stood against the wall. And he's like, where's your camera? I said, no, I need to set up. Oh, well, I've got, I've, I've got two minutes, so, you know, move it. You know, so I was wow. like, okay. So I literally was able to throw a, a, a light up just, just, just in time. I think I got three frames off, <laughs> and that was it. And he was like, and every time the, the flash went, he was like, okay, okay, okay. And after the third one, he just said, goodbye. <laughs> he walked off. Wow. Well, we we got the, we got the cover, and uh, I mean, it wasn't unpleasant. It was just like you know, he had three minutes, and and that's it. Um, so in that 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 type of stuff happens. But I think one of the funnier things it didn't happen to me, but it happened to another photographer. I've had similar experiences. Now I, I've I have a couple of law firms that I work with, and you know, if you've got a bunch of uh, lawyers together, they generally not you know they like chirping you, especially if you've got twenty or thirty of them together for a group right. portrait on top of a building. Uh, they normally want to get, you know, um, get to you. And um, what this guy did was, it wasn't like, I know the photographer, but uh, what, what he did is the, he was photographing and then the, the chairman of the company, you know, after the, the, he finished taking the picture, they've been ragging him the whole time. He sort of said in front of anybody, he said, uh, so young man, I really do hope that picture does me justice. <laughs> and he turns around, he chins the old guy and says, Sir, you do not need justice, you need mercy. <laughs> <laughs> so I've had similar situations. I've just never had the guts to actually tell the people that, you know, so to um, to quit that way. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's always difficult. I mean, if you start uh, uh, photograph many sports people, um, we've had to, uh, I mean, I just missed... Unfortunately, my uh, uh, I was to photograph Roger Federer earlier this year to do a shoot with him, and unfortunately, my mother passed away in that week, and I and I couldn't make it. So that would have been a nice big scoop. Yes, um, but yeah, you, uh, as you as you say things, I'll probably remember remember stories. Or fact, it's always difficult to remember sort of situations. Of course, of course. Yeah. Well, well yeah. feel free to sort of jump in and uh, drop a name if you like uh, at any time during yeah. this. <laughs> <laughs> And and just the other part of that question is, uh, maybe it's a w bit of a weird question, but let's see if we can unpack it. Um, you know, sometimes like different, uh, do you do portraiture? Do you do? Uh... A lot of portraiture, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, so how do you sort of go about, what's your sort of, what's your route to capture? Because especially with portraiture, you know, it's really important that you capture the, the essence of, of a person. You know, mm. and from a creative point of view, I'm just interested in how you sort of what what is your creative process in capturing the essence of a of a of a photographer? Can you do that? Mm. I mean, am I just being sort of like a creative, you know, idiot, or can you sort of capture the essence of who a person is in a photographer uh, in a photograph? Sorry, I, I think you can. Um... It will depend on how guarded a person is, uh, your success in that. And many people are, are truly just so guarded in expression that it really is difficult to get them. But what I find is one is uh, when I shoot people, I talk a lot. Now, sometimes I know I'm talking too much. 
but there's a there's a bit of a method behind the madness because by doing that you immediately take the focus of that person and i i do not ask him about stuff you know asking uh, what do you do i i try and make sure that i have a kind of an idea of what the person is about even if it is a marketing person for a widget company you know um you need to try and find and and a lot of people i mean they come into that situation it's unnatural already so um you need to make them forget that they're in that situation one mm-hmm. also what you find is is that you put a little bit of the focus on you and not in an egotistical manner but in what i for instance don't mind is i often drop stuff while i'm shooting or i trip over stuff you know in the wow. studio and not 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 on purpose i let i literally am that clumsy but what it <laughs> does is you know in that moment you people start letting their guard down you know uh, i mean i like joking around talking rubbish and whatever but if you if you try and be funny it makes people uncomfortable you know so i generally just i just talk a lot you know and um yeah you know if they walk away and think geez that guy's a bit of a dweeb that's fine if i got the shot you know um but they need to feel at ease in that uh one i'm not looking because i think a lot of photographers come with a lot of and i'm might be speaking out of turn but they come with a lot of sort of um self importance almost like they're more important than the subject which is never the case i think right. that is that is something that was you know your david baileys and your uh any libovitzes and these type of people brought that vibe um where really i mean ultimately they the hero of the story and i was i'm i'm the you know i'm just there to to basically facilitate them um but then i mean you do get people who are excellent at projecting who they are and you know it's a matter of pressing the button um but um yeah very interesting talking about sort of famous photographers who's your as a photographer who's your uh, sort of idol that you look up to in terms of style and work um there's a a guy that i really enjoyed in terms of portrait work uh it's nothing like i do but i really enjoyed was um irving pen which is an older older photographer uh of the well i'm saying recent guys in the 90s um he was a fashion photographer i didn't care for that much but his his portrait work was great this guy by the name of patrick demarcelier uh, his stuff was amazing um and um the documentary stuff i mean that you uh dol brand i mean but these are all the guys that you know when i was studying photography that you you know you learn so they kind of stick you know joseph karsh i mean he did the the winston churchill pics and wow. you know so they 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 just sort of those iconic amazing images uh, i mean cartier bresson ari cartier bresson is the guy who did all the magnum street photography you know the decisive moment uh the guy jumping over the pool the little boy with a with a with a what uh, yeah the, what's it called uh, le petit parisien oh, that one and um i love this stuff there's just a photograph for a moment can we can we talk yeah. about that photograph for the moment that sure. little boy it's an iconic it's an iconic piece right it's an iconic yeah. photograph and uh, i want to know sort of from a photograph a photographer's point of view you know when you in a situation like that and i'm not sure whether you've been in that situation but maybe just give us sort of like the inside or the, or the thoughts behind it when you in a 
in a situation like that where, you know, you, you are placed in a situation where you've got to capture something that's, it may be fleeting, but it's, it's jarring. It's like, you know, uh, there's this one photo, uh, photograph of this person being shot. Um, it's yeah. been, I think it was in Vietnam. If I'm not yeah, mistaken. yeah, the, the, the Viet Cong guy, South Viet, uh, the North Vietnamese guy that was executed. Yeah. That, that, the, the, like, like, what's the, what is the photographer thinking at that point? I mean, because I'm thinking, like, just, I'd be so, um, not, not affected, but I'd be so torn between the fact that there's an opportunity for me to capture this and the fact that it's actually happening. Yeah. Do you get what I'm saying? I'm, I'm against, uh, I, 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 sure. I, especially, I mean, if you look at those guys who do the hard press type of stuff, you know, if you think of Kevin Carter, uh, who committed suicide a couple of months after winning the Pulitzer Prize for the, the image of the, uh, the, the young um, uh, kid in the Sudan with the, the, the vulture um, in the background. He committed suicide, wow. Yeah, yeah. So he, I mean, he was a, he was a, he was part of the well, what they called the Bang Bang Club. Um, and um, but I mean, he was a, he was a, a tortured soul. He had a bit of a drug problem as well. But that did mess him up quite a bit. And obviously, a lot of people judged him for the fact that he didn't intervene. Eventually, he changed his story. He says he did intervene, and you know, it was all all sorts of things. I think a lot of a lot of times you only realize afterwards what had really happened. Uh, I right. can't really speak because I don't I don't shoot hard press that much, but I do know that even sometimes when I shoot stuff, there is always a moment when you you realize something's happening. First thing, especially earlier, I mean earlier in my career, everything was manual and whatever. You like, I hope I've got the settings. <laughs> so no autofocus. It's about just just getting it there. Um, but Greg Marinovich also said what he was thinking every time he, he was photographing in Tembisa during the 80s and he saw something happen is he was like, I wonder if the foreground is in focus. <laughs> and, you know, it's like you have those things. I had a, I had a, a client, who, a, a, a lecturer, another client, who used to say all he thought about was what is, what is uh, around the edges of the image, what is in the perimeter? You know, he didn't really think about what was going on in there. He was just worried that something would be sticking out. So right. I, um, I think that is that is probably um, what most people is a bit of a technical thing. Right. Right. Sorry, nope. Yeah. So that's that's. Um, I think uh, uh, again, different for different people. I mean, you get some of these photographers; they basically like special forces soldiers. I don't think they think much. They just act, you know? Right. Uh, in my experience, I find that a lot of the stuff I only realize afterwards. Okay, that was significant. That was cool. Yeah. Tony, I must tell you um, also that uh, your cat is um, making quite an impression. <laughs> <laughs> He's awesome. He actually opens the door all by himself and comes in and <laughs> he loves it when I'm here. It's well, funny, I'm whenever surprised. I play music, he, he comes in here, yeah. Is a creative cast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Maybe it's some of the other uh, great composers been reincarnated, you know? <laughs> yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, let's chat a, a little bit about this. So you created uh, a little bit of a niche in terms of moving uh, um, into uh, the wine industry and um, yeah. doing a lot of work in the wine industry. And you've worked with some um, amazing farms. How's that been for you? 
Oh, that's incredible. I think that's one of the things that's really helped me um, is if you can work with stuff that you enjoy, you know, um, it's, it's one thing if you're, uh, if you're a photographer and like I said, if photography is the point of what you're doing, then that's one thing, you know, uh, but I can be shooting a pack shot of a wine bottle and it's still interesting to me. It's still, you know, I, I still, I love the subject matter. I find the people interesting. I find the topic interesting. I find, I find the lifestyle interesting. I mean, um, now that you mentioned that you were talking about famous people, um, so uh, Domain Romani Conti, which is probably the most exclusive, not best known, but most exclusive uh, uh, wine farm in the world. Uh, I was lucky enough to go there and shoot. So, I mean, I met guys, the, wow. the winemaker there is a guy by the name of uh, uh, Aubert de Villain. And I mean, he's been there 45 years, you know, people refer to him as the, as the Jesus Christ of wine, you know, which is uh, <laughs> OTT, but anyways. Um, <clears throat> and in France, traveling out Burgundy, doing wine stuff there, but even our own people, I mean, they're, they're all artists, you know, the winemakers are all artists and they, you seldom have ever encounter a winemaker who's not uh, bubbling over with enthusiasm. You know, mm. uh, that if, even if it's viticulture or geology, but they, they're all these mad scientists, you know. So um, I'm saying mad scientists, but they, they kind of are, you know. Uh, they, they love from the soil to the biology of vineyards and things like that. So I, I find that that is amazing. Uh, and it's, it's very inspiring for me, you know, to, 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 to be around those people, apart from the fact that I learn stuff about a hobby that I'm interested in, you know, so right. I like drinking wine and it's cool, you know, you learn from, literally from the horse's mouth, you know, you get, yeah. you get all the information now. Yeah, it's so interesting that you mentioned that, um, you know, winemakers are, um, they are creative, creatives in their own right. Um, oh, yeah. And yeah. Always sort of trying to communicate a, a perspective. And so, um, such an indus interesting um, industry as well that you managed to sort of create a niche and a crack, you know? Yeah. So, so, so well done in that. Thank you. Yeah, I'm, I, I feel very blessed for it. I think uh, also it's, it's, um, it's a loyal industry, which I like. You know, it's a, re it's a relationship industry. You know, everything mm. about the wine industry is about relationships, you know, which, which I find helps me a lot, yeah. Right, very good. Um, Mr. Mayor over here says, uh, Donnie, what type of shot would you say is the hardest to take? Sure. Um, sure, that, that can be sort of uh, 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 how long is a piece of string type of question. I think on, on the day it depends. Um, I think what's really hard is to take a shot when you're not clear on what the client wants. Right. You know? Right. That could be anything. If if you don't if you don't have the end in mind, if you if you can't see I mean sometimes the client will be like open ended, say, oh, do what you want, you know, go with it. Um, but I think that I find find very difficult. I think people often ask that question wanting to know if it's a food shot or if it's a this shot or a that shot. You know, technical challenges you can overcome. You know, sometimes all you need to do is just try harder or watch a YouTube video. Um, but it's, I think the hardest shot for me is, is, is the one that'll make the client happy. If I don't know what they want. That is really, really challenging and stressful. Yeah. 
Very good. So what I hear you saying is sort of having, and you touched on it, sort of having a picture or having an end goal in mind. Is that what you're saying? Sort of visualizing. Yes. Well, in your case, like literally visualizing how you want the shot yeah. to, to sort of be. Yes. Obviously getting input yeah. from the client initially, and then obviously you sort of giving inputs as well, and then coming up with a uh, with an image at the end of it. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Yeah, if it, I mean, if the client is, is cool with the process of discovery, if they're like, mm. I, I don't know, but let's see where this takes us, that is fine. That's cool. I can do with that. It's very difficult if the client can only tell you what they don't want. Right. Uh, that can be a very challenging shot. <laughs> That's a very challenging shot to do. Um, yeah, I, I, I find that that to me is, is difficult. Oh, if he wants a technical thing. Very technical is to shoot an interior shot in a very small room and make it look reasonable. I think that's really tough. You know, it's for me, small room, interior decor shot, and to make it look in proportion. That's I, I don't like that. I don't know. About I've learned the trick, but I'd like, but I'm like, I don't like it. <laughs> I don't know too much about um, sort of like the technical stuff, but uh, there might be someone here that's uh, a photog and uh, who is interested in this sort of thing. What do you, what do you shoot with? What's your, what's your go-to uh, piece of equipment? Okay, so I, I people, it's, just, it's one of those uh, Ford or Chef questions, but uh, I'm, uh, I shoot Canon, the 5D4, and um, probably my favoritist lens, just because I, the, of the type of work I do, uh, is a uh, 7200-2.8 F-series lens, or L-series lens, not F-series, L-series lens that I've had for many years, simply because in studio, um, that's, people sometimes think you, you, um, you use long lenses to get things that's far away, closer to you, but it's actually, most of the time, it's about, you use it for the, um, for the optical qualities of that lens, you know, it'll, it's, it, that perspective is a little bit more reduced, you know, uh, less emphasized, uh, foreshortening is bigger, so there's technical things, but that is that is my go-to lens for studio work. Um, then once I'm 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 not a I'm not a big gearhead, you know. For me, it's like if the thing works, it works. You know, my my lens that's always on there says you know 24-72.8, and uh, I've got a 16-35-2.8. You know, so I'm a I'm a guy. If the stuff works, it works. Um, but uh, as long as advice. That's a great piece of advice for people starting off in the industry. I think we get yeah. caught up sometimes uh, with with the gear, you know, sort of we yeah. we, we want to get the best. Um, and I think sometimes it, it, it should be noted that if you want to sort of sort, if you want to get into sort of any creative field, you know, just start with what you have. And I think oh, yeah. it, it, it's, uh, it's come up a few times now in these conversations is that don't get caught up. Don't get caught up with, um, you know, uh, in, in this case, the gear. You know, if you have oh, an iPhone, sure. or if you have any sort of phone. Um, yeah. How, how do you feel about that, by the way, as sort of like a professional photographer? You know, the, the fact that photography in itself has become quite democratized. You know, everyone's yes. a photographer these days. You know, if you have a yeah. phone in your pocket. Yeah. Um, are you sort of one of those photogs that are, you know, are a bit annoyed with that or how do you feel about that no you know what that's a bit of i think annoyance with it. it's like kicking against the goads it's 
uh, uh, Chase Jarvis is a photographer I was lucky enough to meet. Uh, big, big. I don't know if you know the, the the Creative Live platform. Anyways, he founded that, but um, he's a commercial photographer out of Seattle, and he launched an app many years ago. Just just as iPhone came out and they opened up the App Store idea before Instagram, he had an app called the Best Camera is the one that you have with you, and right. he he piloted this idea or pioneered this idea that you must shoot with your phone regardless of the quality and um, that you you need to be creative and that it's not about the tool. You shouldn't right. stare at the tool. And now, as somebody who's speaking, who I mean, I've done shops where I was under-equipped and then they, I mean, most of the time I'm over-equipped uh, in terms of what I have with me. It is definitely a challenge to, to, to do a job being under-equipped. But if it's about creativity, what you have with you is, I mean, they've shot Volvo ads on iPhone 5, you know. Right. Um, it's, it's really, these days, it's just a, a capturing mechanism. You know, um, you, uh, the, the, the type of things that's being done with, with phones now is on par with DSLR quality things. Yeah, I mean, it's, Incredible. It's, there's no reason why you can't do amazing work with the bare minimum of equipment now, um, it's it's uh, so I'm and I like I said I I, I like gear, but I find uh, a lot of people like looking at cameras instead of looking through cameras. You know, so I'm mm -hmm. I generally like looking through the camera. You know, um, and gear is sort of a transient thing. You know, uh, Jack White in that documentary, it might get loud. He was speaking about guitars. Right. And he said, in his view, a guitar, you must wrestle the guitar. Wow. It must be tough. It must be a, it must be a struggle, you know, uh, because then the best will come out of you. Now, and I thought always it's very difficult to do a proper job if your equipment's malfunctioning or not up to the task. But it is a, it's a great creative tool to, 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 to minimize your equipment and say, today I'm going to do something with just my camera and a 50mm 1.8 lens. Yeah, and yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna limit myself or get yourself a film camera, and so I'm, I've got 24 shots, and I must do something with this. You know, I, I find that that is ironically liberating. Yeah, right, right. That's very good, Danny. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that, Danny. Obviously, with the lockdown, you know, mm. it's been um, it's had a tremendous impact on on business globally, yeah. uh, and I'm sure your industry has taken a significant knock as well. Yeah. How have you sort of managed to deal with lockdown mentally, physically, emotionally, or even business? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> from an emotional point of view, I'll sort of take it in that. In that, I think I'm a, I'm a I'm an introvert that talks a lot. <laughs> so, <laughs> as an introvert, I've I've actually found it very empowering. You know, or uh, now, empowering is, a, is the wrong word, but I've, I've, I find it great. I mean, I generally re-energize on my own. I mean, I'm, you're in a room full of musical instruments. I found that it gave me the mind space to be creative. I mean, I've been more creative in the last seven weeks than I've been in a long time. Wow. Um, <clears throat> so I'm somebody whose mind definitely gets overwhelmed by the pressures of life at times. Not, not about worry. It's just it fills my mind quite a bit. So emotionally, it's actually been good for me. However, I do miss my alchemy coffee 
mornings and, you know, seeing people at the coffee shop. I like that sort of interaction in the morning and then going off and, and working and being on my own. Um, from a physical point of view, I mean, I can't train as much as I'd like to. I mean, I do jiu-jitsu and obviously I can't. I need to train on my own, which is which is a bit of a bummer. But then uh, business-wise, it's obviously it's very tough. I mean, I'm in a I'm in a fortunate position that my wife's business is is was able to function basically from the start of end of level five. She works in the right. medical field, so financially, uh, as a family, uh, we've been fine. You know, it's not like being too hectic. Uh, purely from a business point of view in my business it, it can be disastrous you know uh, right. in that especially if you if you uh, I'm in the wine industry so there's a lot of um, facets to that work that that will remain active and it's already started picking up again you know with pack shots and online ordering people need right. e-commerce imagery but I do feel for for guys who, who make mostly money out of events for instance um I don't foresee uh, most of these guys being able to 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 do even 20% of the work they would have done this year. Wow. Uh, wedding photographers. I mean, I know I know. In fact, two couples who that where the husband is a, is a photographer and the wife is a makeup artist, and you wow. know it's it's decimated the order book for the year. Yeah. Yeah. So. <clears throat> um, I like I said, I'm not a hundred percent sure what it means for me. I mean, I I do have a stock portfolio that I work on all the time. So there's, I mean, it's it's probably five percent of my income that you know that stays there. But I do think um, I will probably lose some of my clients in this time. Um, have, you know, have you done anything uh, specific I, in terms of sort of like a strategy to manage um, emotionally manage? that sort of shift have you i mean you you said you you can't train anymore which i'm i'm guessing yeah. used to be quite a strong or quite a big outlet in terms of managing yeah. stress um writing music has <laughs> done Wonderful. a lot you know like I said, it's actually been i've actually been really excited in the fact oh, i've got so much time i can actually do the stuff that i want to do you know amazing yeah i've been able to put out two brand new songs with music videos and all sorts of stuff so that has helped yeah. Um, in terms of, I'm gen. I mean, through if if you work in the creative industry, look, if you work in the creative industry, and I'm not, I'm not in the top tier. Um, you get used to sort of uncertainties. I'm generally very busy, but I don't work in the price point where I'm just living a lavish life. Uh, so through 20 years, I've learned to you know chill as a you know um, my faith helps. You know, there's a lot of surrender in that. You know, in that I know. Yeah. It's not about this, you know. It's, uh, I could, you know, I, I just being, you know, every day being mindful in Bible study and prayer and things like that. That that makes a huge difference uh, for me. Yeah. Um, yeah, just sort of in surrender. But it's also a question of I. You realize that stuff kind of works out, and then I, what's important in my industry is I've realized that it's an incredibly disruptable industry. Right, and that if I'm going to hold on to this and say this is the only thing that I can ever do, I won't adapt. You know, uh, I started shooting, you know, in the film days, you know, and the shift to digital sifted out a bunch of people that didn't want to adapt and they fell out of the industry. And I realized we're probably in uh, the coronavirus, the lockdown has maybe um, accelerated some of that. But I do feel that our industry won't exist the way it does now in five years anyways. 
Um, so I, yeah, so I've over the last year, two years, have been already actively thinking. Okay, so I'm not sure where, but I need to adapt in some way or the other. You know, whether it is um, in what I do, how I do, I'm not sure. But like I said, it is something that that I'm constantly aware of, anyways. You know, so that this thing is the way that it exists now, and the way that my business operates now is definitely transient. Yeah, that's actually pretty incredible because. Yeah. Often I have these conversations with sort of high capacity people, and I definitely regard you as a high capacity person. You know, <laughs> super talented, um, but definitely humble, and there's a humility in terms of what you do and what you say and that sort of thing. And so I would consider you a top tier person, Donnie. Let me let oh, me say that. Too um, kind. <laughs> but certainly a theme that has been, you know, just often spoken about is this sort of idea of perspective having a perspective mm. on on what's happening you know and almost uh, the point being is that you get to choose the perspective that you have in this situation mm. and the yeah. other one that comes across so strongly is um, this idea of being able to be flexible and be, being able to yeah. uh, being able to adapt, and, yeah. you know, uh, and we saw, and we and we've seen this in history in so many ways. Major companies not being able to adapt, and the big one is uh, Kodak, right? Kodak, yeah, that really sort of owned, owned photography, right, in a big, big way, yeah. and they failed to uh, adapt to changes and um, you know um, what was happening, and unfortunately. You know, they got left behind, which was sad. Um, yeah, I mean, if you if you think of Nokia uh, now, we we think of it in terms of obviously they've kind of failed to stay on the boat with smartphones, you know. And uh, but if you think of they're a, they're a timber company, you know, they uh, they they're uh, a, a Swedish Norwegian timber company that eventually right. went into technology, so they were adaptable at one point. I mean, the Sony company was a soup company. You know, they were basically like cup of soup, you know, uh, and Sony is now everything from music to, to whatever. Um, but I think what helps me is uh, you you realize that we spend a lot of time, and I was mentioning it just now as well, we spend a lot of time looking at things. We look at our career. Um, things and situations kind of become the point of our lives where I think the real freedom is in seeing that these are all ways, things that you need to view life through, you know. Um, photography is another way to view things, you know. Ultimately, your faith or your worldview is, is a lens that you use to view the world through. And I, and I think if you, yeah, if you can get to a point where, I mean, writing music, painting, running marathons, whatever it is, I mean, it's whatever you find value in, I think the danger is when that thing becomes the point of what you're doing and the focus rather than a conduit for you to see, to see life. Uh, that's when you're going to stop adapting. And that's true in business as well. I think if you look at, uh, uh, you're a, you know, you build widgets and you say, well, my life is about building widgets, you know, you're going to have a problem where a company like Apple uh, did well. And they said, no, what we do is we create amazing customer experiences, you know, wherever that might take us. You know, and yeah. they're a computer company that builds 
phones, you know, or, or entertainment devices. But ultimately, they were a computer company, yeah. I really like that. Let's land with that. Technology should be a lens that you view the world through. I love that, Donnie. Uh, absolutely. That's, absolutely that's, yeah. a, that's a quotable quote right there. <laughs> Let's Read it, digest, yes. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thanks for the chat. Thank you very much. I, I love being here. And uh, yeah, I can't wait for us to uh, chat again over a cup of coffee, yes. hopefully. Uh, thank you to everyone who's joined us this evening. It's an absolute pleasure hosting these chats. If you'd like, please uh, catch the podcast or share it with a friend. And uh, yeah, go. Where will you be uh, uh, posting the podcast, if you don't mind me asking? I'll be posting the podcast tomorrow, this one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, right after this, I'll be posting um, the links to the previous po uh, um, conversation that we've had with uh, awesome. Conrad Hoffman. Uh, Hiram Kupman was uh, on, on Monday, which was a really good one. Um, Reynard uh, Moores, who's a holistic coach, and he spoke about how to break this COVID-19 rut. So that was yeah. pretty amazing. Please grab the podcast if you like. And if you're interested in more of these conversations, join me again. Just follow me on Instagram and I'll be posting about just chatting to interesting people, man. So thank you so much for uh, joining us this evening. Have a great week and I'll catch you again. Thank you very much. It was awesome being here. Cheers, Donnie. Cheers, everyone. Cheerio. Bye-bye.